Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Call Talk for Wednesday, August 18th. Our topic today is home agents, or sorry, at home agents. During the call, we invite you to ask questions via email at calltalk at benchmarkpool.com or chat on calltalk.tv. Or if you want to call in and interact with the show, um, call in 347-857-3117. Everyone who asks a question via email or phone on the show will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at its Best. And one person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality benchmarking report valued at $1,500. And now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Sean. And welcome back to Call Talk, everyone, on this mid-August day. Ouch, it really doesn't seem possible that the summer is coming to an end. But uh, to help you enjoy what's left of the season, uh, today's topic is on virtual agents, by which we mean agents who really do exist but who operate out of their homes instead of commuting to your brick-and-mortar call center. And to discuss this, I'm delighted to welcome Steve Silver to the program. Steve, uh, who was with us on Call Talk almost exactly a year ago, has over 15 years' experience in staffing issues, is currently a consultant helping design and deploy home agent programs in the U.S. and abroad. He previously worked for Apple, where he launched uh, over 10 seasonal call centers and started Apple's home agent program, which is uh, HBA. And it's, it's really a remarkable story. He took the program from a 70-agent pilot to a full-scale program of over 1,000 agents in one year, and the program now boasts uh, 1,700 people. So these programs were delivering upward of uh, $15 million per year in uh, demonstrated savings and the highest customer satisfaction anywhere within Apple. And uh, here I'd, I'd ask you to keep in mind that Apple has been ranked number one by Consumer Reports for the last 10 years. So it's a remarkable achievement. Uh, home agents remain a point of contention in our industry. It's really uh, an area of very lively debate. Some people love this idea and some people absolutely hate it. Though I, I've got to say that the winds of acceptance are, are blowing much more strongly these days. Uh, those people who are detractors note that it, it's tough enough to run a good call center when everyone is physically present and accounted for. So how can you control the normal chaos of a call center operation when people are flung across the country and, and perhaps around the world? So uh, there's been some good and some bad experiences, oftentimes related to you know how things are actually done. So please call and email us with your questions and your comments on uh, this important phenomenon. So Steve, welcome back to our program. Thanks, Bruce. It's uh, it's great to be back, and lots of uh, lots of home-based lessons learned along the way, my friend. Lots of lots of those. Great, great. Okay, well, in fact, last year we noted, Steve, that you were setting a bad example for your own people <laughs> by coming into the office every day. Are you still addicted to bricks and mortar personally? Well, that's no. I have officially embraced uh, the home-based mentality, and now uh, now work from home, doing some consulting and some uh, some traveling. So I'm trying to fall more in line with the uh, standard accepted protocol. So <laughs> okay, good. So you're not only preaching, but you're converted. That's, that's right. Exactly. That's right. I'm in the choir as well. <laughs> okay, good. Well, Steve, maybe you could recap some of the compelling reasons uh, in favor of home-based. Uh, sure. Agents. And, and some of the recent lessons that have uh, come out over the last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. The recent lessons, I, I think, are, of course, so common to so many folks who run centers. Uh, they were things like, well, we're out of space. 
right? We've got people sitting in the hallway. We've got them sitting in the atrium. We have cubes in places where no one ever thought there ought to be a cube or should be a cube. Um, we also had just demands. We needed to expand at a rate that we couldn't do. Um, and we honestly felt like we had the opportunity to recruit a higher caliber of individual uh, who would be willing to work from home. And I think the easiest way to put it was we, we wanted to go out and recruit people who might never otherwise consider coming and working in a call center. So we figured if we could change the environment enough, we could change the individual that we had access to and ultimately find some success there. So um, that was kind of the catalyst or the impetus that made us decide that this was a sound strategy to, uh, to look at. Um, you know, some of the lessons we learned very early on, and we kind of chatted a little bit about this, actually talked quite a bit about last year, was things like marketing to these folks, marketing to home-based agents, the fact that most home-based prospective candidates thought when they saw an ad for a home-based job, they thought it was a scam. Most yeah. of them really didn't believe. So as we talked about last year, not only did the employer think it was a bit of a scam, but so did the employee. So you were converting both people. You were computing you know, converting or, um, you know, convincing your leadership and your management that was a good idea and you had to convince the candidate that it was a real legitimate opportunity and that even with the name of the company in front of it as well. So um, yeah. things like marketing and deploying technology and training, things like new employee orientation and rethinking the way that you introduce or bring someone to the culture of the organization, those were all things that we dealt with very early on and felt, uh, felt the impact of those. But, you know, one of the things, uh, Steve, that, uh, you know, I was thinking about is that we, uh, in doing uh, agent satisfaction surveys, will oftentimes find that uh, there's a correlation between satisfaction and commuting distance. And that, in fact, those people who have to commute the farthest distance are oftentimes least satisfied because of the, the impact, really, that this job is having on their, their lives, including the, uh, the, the commuting component. And, and really, uh, you're, you're just breaking the paradigm with uh, at-home agents. In other words, the employment basin that you're looking at all of a sudden uh, virtualizes and becomes unlimited. And this uh, means that you might break yourself out of a, an employment basin where there's a lot of competition with other uh, employers and, and also where, for other reasons, your, your employment uh, you know, prospects are, are fairly thin. That, that's right, Bruce, and you bring up a great fact. I'm, I'm sure many folks on the call today uh, have quality of life teams. Um, and what we love about the quality of life teams with regard to the HBA is they frequently have great stories about their quality of life that has nothing to do with work. So to your mm -hmm. point, right, with regard to commuting distance having a direct correlation to the employee satisfaction as well as customer satisfaction, we absolutely know that that's true and have seen that with regard to <clears> – <throat> Um, their quality of life and them spending time talking about all the things they get to do because they don't ever have to get in a car to go to work. Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then now that you're a convert, I'm sure that you can uh, see the benefits of it. And, That's right. I'm in my pajamas right now, Bruce. I don't know if I'm over disclosing, <laughs> but uh, I'm incredibly okay. comfortable. We won't go there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and what about in terms of the uh, scheduling flexibility? Uh, what, what does this add to it? So we have really uh, – we, we last year decided – well, actually, two years ago in earnest decided to – we viewed home-based advisors as an opportunity to go upstream. Uh, in other words, an opportunity to go recruit people who maybe had more years of experience and more degrees and more experience with Apple products 
that was kind of the, what the initial driver was, and we wanted to be able to find those individuals for, in theory, the same cost, in a perfect world, less money, and we were able to do that. So we went upstream, and we didn't quite introduce all of the schedule flexibility that you're discussing. Two years ago, we decided to go downstream, and we decided to, much to the chagrin of every attorney in Apple, uh, we decided to go down and work on trying to recruit college students as home-based agents who would mm. then work only boundary hours and weekends. The good mm -hmm. news is they were available to work full-time during the holidays, so summer and, and, and Christmas, and they could work part-time the rest of the year, so they became a much more flexible employee, and we literally began to only schedule them in the shoulders of the day where we knew we would have service level issues, where every center has service level issues. So they were only allowed to work boundary hours and weekends. Um, this really helped us resolve some of our scheduling flexibility uh, and gave us access to a population that's actually the best performing population of every advisor in all of Apple, totaling you know, well over 10,000 advisors. Wow, okay. Now, this is something that's uh, probably interesting for a lot of people on the phone and ultimately interesting for a lot of college students as well. You're saying they are the best performers of the uh, folks that you have? They are by far, to, in, in some instances, up to um, five to six percentage points above our next performing best advisors. That's correct. Wow, okay, and that's fabulous. And that's uh, measured how? Uh, that can be measured. You, you can actually pick the, the key performance indicator. Obviously, the first and biggest one for us is customer satisfaction. So yep. CSAT running 92, 93, 94% when the goal is 90, and the enterprise yep. you know, would be somewhere south of that. So uh, that's the first one. But then you also look at things like utilization, obviously. Uh, they're incredibly efficient. You start to talk about things like handle time. I'm sure you can attest to this. I'm sure you're the same, Bruce. They are fantastic multitaskers. right? They're texting, and they're playing video games and doing homework and listening to music. I mean, we just had to convince them to not take phone calls from the actual frat party and we were in fantastic shape <laughs> okay well, I'm sure that was probably part of the concern on the part of the uh, lawyers right that uh, that that was the concern of the lawyers yeah yeah that they sort of the the beer pong going on in the background <laughs> that's <laughs> right yeah you hear the chanting of chug it in the background and you're officially uh, <laughs> on a performance plan that's right <laughs> and, and that really has not been a problem, is that correct? Uh, we have actually had no uh, real issues with uh, that uh, employee segment at all, to be quite truthful. Um, usually if they leave, they just decide to say, hey, take the machine back, and I, you know, I can't do this anymore. For, and typically it's because they can't manage their school. That's usually the biggest issue, which is you know, at the end of the day, we'd much rather have them stay in school than take phone calls for us. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, gotcha. Okay. And. And, and so in terms of being adept at the use of technology, uh, time to productivity, uh, th those things, uh, just tell us a little bit more about that with the college student population. Absolutely. So what we, what we looked at very carefully was um, everything from calls handled in an average hour. Obviously, your, um, our average handle time in some instances is as much as 30% lower than the enterprise average handle time. Um, we, of course, go up and down like everybody else within the college program, but they are uh, very, very adept at the use of technology, which also means that they're, they come out of training at a much faster pace. They have delivered consistently the highest training scores, and we are actually in the process of retooling the curriculum for that audience because they eat up the content so fast we think we could produce. We think they actually would be 
productive faster if we change the curriculum and got them ramped up faster. In other words, they may spend some time waiting for us, which is, uh, which is you don't ever want them to have to do that. So, uh, and that's also, um, you know, some of the best feedback that we're getting from the customers with regard to direct comments about the advisors. Um, they're very passionate, very, uh, um, very capable users of technology. Mm. Okay, great, great. Well, Sean tells me that uh, we're getting uh, lots of questions in, so Sean, why don't we uh, dive right into those? Okay. Uh, Lynn asks, <clears throat> what are some of the main concerns with home-based agents, scheduling, keeping track of work, interviewing for positions and equipment? Uh, well, you, you hit them all, Lynn. <laughs> you hit them all, Lynn. Those are all those are all uh, key challenges and opportunities. Um, scheduling, of course, can be difficult. I think one of the things you bring up with regard to keeping track of agents is a very good point to stay attuned, stay adept to that. That audience, in as much as they are not visible, they can find good ways to get around or through the system or appear to be available or not available. So. One of the things that we learned very, very uh, well, we didn't learn it as quickly. It's really come to fruition as the program has has matured. Uh, the need to really train managers and leadership to manage these folks a little bit differently, um, and that's everything from how well they get promoted to how you conduct one-on-ones, what the communication strategy is, those sorts of things. So those are all things that you add to your rollout plan. And you talk about communication. You talk about your machine returns process. Right? Those are all places where even if you did those poorly, you can still save money. If you do those well, you can save an abundance of money. Um, and with 20 people, it's not an issue. With 2,000, it's incredibly challenging. Mm. Okay. Yeah, no, I can see where that would be a – a big, uh, a huge difference, in fact. And uh, in terms of, uh, of sort of cost per minute, uh, what sort of things could we be looking for in terms of savings there? Well, I think with regard to, to any population, whether or not you're looking for a mature, skilled workforce that you want to pay less for, which is how we started this endeavor, uh, you know, the number one driver of your cost per minute, we all know, is the compensation of the advisor. And so when we moved into the college program and we moved into the ability to pay $9 an hour for an individual who we thought maybe was going to be on the, well, we'll figure it out end of the curve, and they turned out to be actual experts, um, we are seeing in some instances I actually have uh, the, the presentation that we gave. Obviously, can't share all the data, but within our cost per minute when compared to everyone, we were coming in um, at about 32% uh, lower than the best performing and least expensive cost per minute models, and that includes onshore and offshore. Wow, onshore and offshore. That's, that's uh, correct. That's yeah, that's, that's, be that's, below 45 cents a minute. Yeah. You know, and, and when you think about it, too, there's an awful lot of people out there who are the uh, power users, if you will, the people who are uh, have the kind of uh, passion for the product and who could uh, help out, not just for products like Apple, but, you know, power tool industry, uh, outdoor products, uh, even, you know, insurance agents, people who maybe right. have uh, are semi-retired or whatever. Uh, we, we do have uh, some others in the category uh, in our database that maybe we wouldn't go. For instance, a, a casket company, I'm not sure that they would have. <laughs> <laughs> somebody who would uh, with, with a lot of experience, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, if you open up your minds uh, and, and think about the fact that there may be folks out there who could be available to you 
then that could be a real good takeaway for some of the people listening to this program. Yeah, and I think okay. just to share, share as we talked about, the, the no, when you change the environment, you change the individual that you have access to. And right. so to your point, finding people who have a, a, a hobby or an interest or are an enthusiast who may not ever typically consider doing this, but because it's so closely aligned to what they're interested in or what they're passionate about, it allows you access to a user that's much more skilled and also has a much greater level of satisfaction from actually performing the task at hand. So it right. really does change who you have access to. And if you choose the right audience and you get in front of them, you become the beneficiary in so many different ways. Sure, sure. Even uh, triage uh, centers, that kind of thing, where uh, nurses certainly don't have to come to a brick-and-mortar center to, to do the work. That's um, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sean, do you have, a, you have other questions for us? Um, uh, this question came from Vanessa. Um, how do you train home agents? Mm. Yeah, so um, virtual, so training is, uh, is always, uh, always an interesting challenge. Most people have classroom-based curriculum already put in place. The, in, the task of converting classroom-based curriculum to web-based curriculum is, is, uh, seems easy, at least as you stand back from afar and look at it. And then you get into the practical application of what that curriculum looks like and feels like to the individual who's being trained. I, there are companies out there who are getting much, much better at, at converting curriculum. Uh, I, it's not something I would advise trying to do on your own these days. I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned about people's um, attention span and how to manage it and how to keep them connected. Uh, and um, the, you can learn a lot by going out to other folks who have done it before and have seen this conversion of curriculum. We do it all virtually. Everything is done virtually. So to the question earlier, we recruit and select virtually and we train virtually. So really having that content both succinct and also in appropriately you know, big bite-sized pieces so that you can keep them engaged and they don't just fall asleep with their head on the keyboard like I might do, um, you know, that's, uh, that, that's the goal. Keep, keep them awake and keep them you know, from not drooling on their keyboard. Yeah, it's too bad you can't sort of pour caffeine through the uh, pipes through the computer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now you're talking, Bruce. Now we have the million-dollar idea, right? <laughs> internet <laughs> caffeine. Yes. <laughs> internet caffeine instead of internet cafe. Well, now, is there um, sort of personality testing that sometimes goes into deciding who is an ideal candidate to hire? Uh, what kind of uh, sort of screening uh, goes on there? Absolutely. So that's it, actually probably one of the biggest attributes or biggest determinants of success. Two things that, that are incredibly important. One, the ability to work independently. If, if you're talking to someone who has never worked independently before and can't give you an example of that, they may find it very difficult to even get started in a program. The other thing is that most programs are kind of new, so they have a lot of ambiguity to them. So one of the things you're really testing for is not only that ability to work independently, but the tolerance for ambiguity, someone's ability to figure out what to do. That's a big part of, in, in, you know, I can no longer prairie dog in my cube and stand up and lean over and say, hey, how do you do this, right? Mm -hmm. I may have to virtually try to get a chat and I may not get a response instantly. So an individual who both has the ability to work independently and has a tolerance for ambiguity become the most critical indicators of success. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you you have found uh, good uh, ways to test for that ahead of time. 
Uh, I don't think there's any better way to test. There are lots of great tests and tools out there that can be used, and I think everybody has you know, seen the 16 PS, 16 personality factors, and tools, yep. um, both technical and non-technical tools. In my opinion, there is no better substitute than hearing someone on the phone, hearing their voice, hearing their passion when you ask them what they're most excited about, and you can hear it in their voice, rest assured that your customer will ultimately be able to hear that same enthusiasm. And if you can't hear it, your customer is probably not going to hear it either. So I wish there was a way to automate the business of recruiting these folks and just slotting them in, but I don't think there is a substitute for spending a, a reasonable amount of time on the phone with them. Okay. No, it's, uh, it's good input. Very good input. Okay, Sean, do we have another question? Uh, yes, we do. <clears throat> There's uh, two questions that are, are kind of similar. Uh, one is from Corinne. How do you keep uh, agents engaged with the company and the rest of the team so they don't feel like they're on an island? And Patty asks a similar question. Do you need to bring them into the office ever for team meetings or to pass on information? Mm. Great question. Yep, two very good questions. Um, so one, A, they're all, and I'll take the, the last one first, they're never required to go into the office. Some of these folks don't live anywhere near an office, so having them go in is an impossibility. Um, with regard to keeping them engaged, uh, one of the things we talked about lessons learned over this last year, communication has become one of the most critical linchpins to keeping this home-based workforce who are have good experience, they've now got a lot of time on the phone, they want to advance, so they're committed, they're enjoying it, they like it, and they want to advance. So advancement becomes uh, a focal point where you need your training organization to help you create that curriculum and help those folks advance from home, and then communication with, that folk, with those folks. So your team managers need to have some specialized training on how to conduct effective virtual meetings. Right, probably something not most of them have ever done, and could being a uh, being an effective, you know, iChat communicator versus just pit knowing when to pick up the phone and have a conversation with them. Uh, you can keep them, you know, we do lots of fun contests, right, to keep them competing and connected as a team. So we'll do everything from having a, a donut eating off a string contest to, um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wish I was joking. And, and Bruce, you'll, you'll appreciate this one. We have got some evolution of dance contests where people actually dance in front of their eyesight cameras and submit their own videos of themselves. Um, we run <laughs> contests among the teams. So it really just forces a level of creativity um, to keep this group connected. But uh, I tell you what, they feel you trying to, to stay connected to them. And they're actually a really good audience when you do a roundtable. Instead of saying, hey, how do we improve CSET? You say, hey, how do we imp improve ESAT? How do we remain connected? What ideas do you guys have as a group? And maybe we give you a prize if you're the one that submits the best idea that we use, right? So there's lots of things that you need to do to stay focused on that audience, but you definitely can keep them engaged. Okay, and, and just uh, obviously when they're on the phone with their clients or their customers, they're only on the phone. Uh, and whereas when you're meeting virtually, you, uh, you, you turn on the cameras, is that correct, so that people can see each other? Uh, only if you're invited, Bruce. I, you can't come into my house if I don't invite you in. So legal, does, legal doesn't want you eavesdropping into my computer either and looking over my shoulder like George Orwell might suggest that you would. Okay. Okay. But for instance, these uh, donut uh, contests. That's correct. Yeah. So in, 
That's correct. In the Illuminate sessions, yeah, there's a camera on, on all the machines. Um, it is a, a luxury of the product for sure, but uh, there's a camera on all the machines and, you know, you turn on your camera and you jump into the Illuminate session and you have, you know, eight to ten windows up on your machine and you can see how fast everybody's eating their donut off a string as well. <laughs> okay, that's great. I was just up in the Sierras with a Boy Scout troop last week. And the highlight of the week was uh, a donut eating contest by the kids up there, which uh, may or may not have been the best idea <laughs> when we considered the results the next day. Oh, what about, let, me, <laughs> let me just ask you quickly about uh, avatars. Has anybody ever suggested that uh, agents might have their avatars? Those avatars might even go and have coffee with each other uh, off hours so that you have uh, that kind of thing going on? Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I think it does. There are lots of organizations that use it, and obviously as we go out and now beginning to work with other organizations on helping them use and deploy, I think the use of avatars is a, is a unique way to create things like billboards and, and postings where you can see folks pop in, you can see them change and sort of evolve themselves as an avatar. Um, mm-hmm. And it really is one of those things where the leadership starts and the group kind of follows. Um, right. So if it's something that you want to use and you want to leverage, getting the buy-in and the adoption at the leadership level and having them participate and do it is actually the best thing to get the rest of your audience to follow suit, the rest of your home-based advisors to follow suit. Um, right. And, uh, you know, obviously, as you can imagine, Bruce, our college students are the ones that, uh, that adopted that the fastest. Okay, very good. And for those on the uh, call who may not be as familiar with what we're talking about, these these avatars are like uh, virtual people that uh, can sort of walk through your screen, uh, go to meetings together. Uh, let's say that you're having a training session. You don't just uh, sit at your computer and uh, listen. You actually have your avatar go to the place where the meeting is being held virtually on your screen and, and uh, sits down. And it just makes you feel a little bit more involved. And uh, if you want, for instance, you can uh, say to a colleague, who uh, you may have quote unquote met virtually. Well, let's uh, let's sit down, and have coffee together, and just talk off hours. And so they start to develop, uh, you know, the kind of relationships that people can develop inside of call centers uh, virtually. But uh, Sean is telling me we've got more questions, so let me uh, go back over to him. The next question uh, comes from Sebastian. Um, how does call center supervisors? feel about uh, a average handle time from an agent monitoring perspective, real-time monitoring, A-H-H, A-H-A. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's an interesting challenge. Um, and some of the supervisors um, have gotten very comfortable with it. And depending upon the technology that you have in place, that could be an easier task than not. Um, but working with the supervisors, and I think, as I said earlier, creating some very specific training um, curriculum for the supervisors in understanding how to not only manage the soft challenges or sort of situations from a home-based advisor, also managing the hard challenges of, hey, if we had an advisor who was looking for a loophole or a place to hide within the home-based program, this is where they might go. Um, And sometimes those are places that the supervisors would just never think to look. So um, it really depends on what some of the technology limitations are and then also um, just creating some very specific uh, roundtable-driven content and training that brings these folks up to speed. Um, But real-time, you know, I will will concede that real-time coordination – 
and uh, real-time management is it's it's an interesting task for all involved. And uh, again, depending upon the technology, real-time may not exactly be real-time. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then let's just uh, sort of drill down a little bit on the uh, training of supervisors. I think one of the things, one of the mantras, in fact, that we have is that uh, poor supervisors are the first line of management. They're oftentimes the least trained and uh, they don't really have the support that they need in a normal call center situation. Uh, Can you just talk a little bit more about uh, training for these uh, supervisors who are are actually managing at-home agents? Yep, so um, it was a slow start. Let me put it like that first. It was a slow start. At first, we assumed that, you know, surely as we taught them in the brick-and-mortar environment, we could just, you know, say, hey, now go do that same thing to those people at home. Um, All that changed when we sent every supervisor home and we recruited supervisors in a home-based capacity as well. So what we ended up having to do was rethink, and if you wanted to have five people and you wanted to fly them all in, that probably is, is a fine strategy. If you had 200 of them, it probably is not reasonable for you to fly all those people into the organization because there goes your cost savings. So retooling a very specific curriculum um, and actually teaching your supervisors not only about the X's and O's of how your performance management programs work, et cetera, et cetera, but also how to communicate and deliver that in a virtual environment, those became sort of supervisor training 101, and they would be put through that training, and it was divided into three different components and very specifically addressed the subtleties and differences of the use of these core tools that the entire program used um, and then the translating or the application of those tools in a home-based capacity. Um, what we really find is that it is about communication and, and not just making it, you know, hey, I'll text you your feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'll chat you your yep. feedback, right? There's still a need to have that communication. Sometimes it's done over video and sometimes it's done over voice and sometimes it's done over chat. Right. Okay, good. No, I could hear at the beginning there, there were some uh, scars <laughs> oh, that came through. But, indeed. Uh, yeah, well, listen, I mean, hats off to you for having built a program that's so successful and obviously having uh, really experienced all the, the components. Uh, with this, uh, you know, the technology is now available. Uh, there's staffing companies that can help out. There's uh, all this sort of uh, infrastructure to, to uh, support this sort of thing that didn't exist even just a few years ago. So uh, you've sort of been through it, and, and thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. And uh, with that, we've uh, kind of gotten to the bottom of the, the hour here, and uh, I'd like to pass things over to Sean and, and thank our listeners very much for uh, for joining us. And uh, really, Steve, thank you very much for uh, for coming and sharing your, your, uh, your thoughts on this. Sean? My pleasure. Okay. Let's see, Sean. Steve, uh, sorry, uh, I wanted to thank you for the show as well. Um, Thanks for all your great insights. Thanks to all the participants for asking uh, great questions and, uh, you know, really making this great show. Um, Our winner today of the in-depth reality check is Sebastian. Sebastian, if you could send uh, an email to calltalk at benchmarkportal.com, we'll get you your free in-depth reality check. Everyone that did ask questions today, Please send your address to uh, calltalk at benchmarkportal.com so we can get you your free book. Um, the topic for our next show on September 1st 
is training in your call center, and the co-host is Dane Peterson. Uh, thanks again for uh, being a part of Call Talk, and we'll see you September 1st.